Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. This week, Scott and I had a treat. We got to sit down with former NRL and Super League player Mitch Brown. He spent three years at the Bulldogs. Uh, he gave us two hours of his time, so we're very thankful for that. We had a great chat and uh, had a bit of fun. Hey, Scott. I was absolutely amazing. It was so fun. Two hours straight after work for him as well, straight from the work office. So from work to to the Bulldogs fans podcast, that was Mitch Brown's day. Um, and, you know, two hours, how generous. It was incredibly generous and stories for everything. He had wonderful stories. And you, when you go back and dive through his career, you realize he's played for some really good teams at lucky times and been an important part of all those teams as well. Yeah, and a couple of firsts for us, Scotty. This was the first time that we interviewed a player that played his the majority of his career outside of the Bulldogs. Uh, but don't worry about that. We have there's plenty of Bulldogs chat coming up for you, um, and it's the first time we've had to break the interview down into two parts. He was he was that um, that uh, wealthy for his time for us. Yeah, that's it was just outstanding. Like the two hours, I couldn't believe it when we were still going and. He was just as flexible as anything, happy to answer any question and every question asked from him from us, from the fans. So we thank them for their like our social media followers and everything for bringing in a lot of questions for Mitch. He absolutely loved all of them and was happy to answer anything. He didn't back down from anything. And uh, surprising stories about, um, I won't go too much into it, but about James Graham, though, I thought was quite interesting what took me by surprise when he was talking about it through the Bulldog section. Absolutely. And it's uh, we'll go jump right into it in just a sec. But we thought we'd let you know, um, anyone listening to this, part one, we start the conversation off with his debut at Cronulla, uh, or his time at Cronulla, and we finished the chat on the 2014 NRL Grand Final, um, which we all know what happened there. Um, if you're only interested in hearing the Bulldogs portion, I don't have a timestamp for you, but it's about 30 minutes into it. Uh, I encourage you to listen to the whole thing if you have the time, because it was a it was a really good chat, really interesting. Um, but we thought we'd throw that out as a disclaimer. Um, and part two has a Bulldogs chat in it as well. I'm just not saying this because we've done the interview and Mitch Brown was so generous. But it's a must-listen episode, the whole thing. If you enjoy it, if you're a massive rugby league fan, it's a must-listen to the whole thing. But I'm glad that you added the Bulldogs. If you're only interested in the Bulldogs, just jump in, you know, that 30-minute mark, roughly. Yeah, the, the entire second half of this first hour is all about the Bulldogs. And we start part two off uh, with Bulldogs talk as well. So plenty of Bulldogs content, uh, regardless of the fact that he played most of his career away from the club. But let's just jump into it right now. Mitch, some of the we we like to start with some random questions, uh, yeah. just to get to know our special guest. Uh, and our fun one is, who did you go for as a child? Uh, sharks. So I'm I'm a local junior, Gami Gami Griller. Um, yeah, so I've always gone for the Sharks. It was just I, I support I support all the teams, but obviously, yeah. I, now that I've finished, I'm still a Sharky so supporters number one and then I've got my Bulldogs and my Tigers sitting there as well. So. Uh, who was your favourite player uh, growing up? Um, I, I had a, it's hard because I had a few and then as you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, I remember I had some absolute greats. But um, obviously, you, you, I love the, uh, ET. Um, he's always a fan favourite. But I loved... Um, the pillar, Steve Renoff. I love watching him play. Um, yeah, field outside back. So I was a big fan of Laurie Daly because he's a 
similar. I like defending, and he was a really good defender, which, and obviously great attacker, but his defense was really good. So I used to love watching, like, I love watching Laws play as well. Sorry, did you, were you always an outside back growing up, or what positions did you play as a child? Um, I was always like a right center, preferably. Um, and then I kind of got pushed to the wing from when I was playing HD ball, uh, and then I got put into the 20s when I was 16, and I got pushed out to the wing, and then I kind of stayed on the wing, then got, then got chucked full back, and then found my, I guess, my uh, my position as a fullback, and then sort of carried on there, but it's always been outside back. And during your career, did you have any pre-game superstitions or rituals? Um I think most players would kind of say the longer you play for, the more, the weirder you get before the game. Um, and then you have kids and everything goes out the window. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't too bad. The, the, I played with some some of the um, boys who had pretty some weird stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I end up, when I was at Dogs, I end up basically eating Subway with J-Mores um, before, before game. So we end up having... Um, uh, every home game, we always had uh, meatballs at J-Moz's house and someone had to bring ice cream. So all the, all the few shy boys there. So there's about five of us to go to um, J-Moz's. He, he cooks his uh, meatballs, spent all day cooking. And that was kind of our pre, pre-home game ritual. But that's that's probably as far as it went. And when I, when I got the kids, um, yeah, went out the window and you kind of just, as long as I had a sleep through the day, if it was a night game, I was happy. Um but yeah, it just becomes yeah. You can't really do too much, too much without uh, when the kids are around. Who had the uh, worst one that you saw? The worst superstition? Um, everyone was like quite unique. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's, it's, um, I don't want to sort of throw anyone on the bus. There's not. There's nothing like crazy. It's just more more eating, sleeping, um, doing certain things. Well, I've some of the players slept till like eleven a.m. and and then had breakfast at basically lunchtime. Just I don't know how they could do that, but or just literally sleep all day. I'm like, yeah, just every, everyone was slightly unique. Um, so Booper, uh, James Graham had some weird pre-game things about touching the dead ball line. Nearly got caught in fire once. It's all that, and um, yeah, it's just the, the yeah, there's, there's not too many that are too crazy, but just there's definitely a few uh, few weirdos <laughs> getting around. So and Mick, what uh, made you or what attracted you to to regulate, like as a child, um, I, uh, my my dad's always been in the rugby league. Um, uh, I think it's just one of those things. Like my my dad sort of my brother played, and I played when I was sixes. Enjoyed it. Uh, my dad became part of um, you know the committee and started helping out at Guymi. He's he's now a life member. So, and then I think it was. I think everyone can kind of relate. Then you, you, everyone's dads, he kind of get gets up there and as a having a few beers at the at the club, and you end up playing all the mates around on the on the field at night, and um, yeah, started I guess it was a little social thing for the family, and then it just kind of grew, and all your mates started playing, and yeah, you kind of get the hang of playing footy as well, and um, yeah, you get to get the itch and just really enjoyed it, so. Then you must have started doing pretty well in the juniors. You've already stated that you were a Sharks junior. Uh, how did you end up linking up with the NRL side? Um, yeah, like I was, yeah, well, I wasn't too bad as a as a kid. So um, 
I was always reasonably quick. Um, I wasn't like a big kid or anything. So uh, it's, but um, yeah, like I think at back in the, you know, it's gone back a long time ago. So this is like early 2000s when I was coming through. So, um, but the Sharks had like the, the junior system where um, they'd have uh, each, each basically school term, they'd have um, little kids from the country and they get a handful of kids that um, from the local junior in each grade and they'll come, we'll have sort of these clinics and camps and, and you get a taste of what it's like playing in the NRL and they kind of had their development teams and, um, but yeah, they generally had, a, a, you know, half a dozen, six or six to eight uh, players at each age group. They kind of found they, they thought had a bit of talent and they, like these days they get them from like their 12 or 11, 12, like it's crazy, but um, it wasn't as serious back then. You've got a pair of, you know, some training gear, you're, you're stoked. You've got a pair of shorts and a shirt. You be, you know, everyone putting crap on you because you're like, oh, you're because <laughs> you've got a jacket or something like that. And so you, you thought you um, you're killing it. But um, yeah, so it's just, yeah, part of the part of the pathway program they had. And yeah, and just, and just went from there. So you made your debut as an 18 year old, if I didn't my mask correctly. Yeah. Um, first year out of school. Uh, I was yeah, it was was two thousand six. So yeah, first I was still eighteen. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, home game against Penrith. Uh, I remember my first carry. Um, I remember <laughs> pretty well. Greg Bird was trying to milk a penalty. Um, coming up <laughs> down line, I'm like, so I'm waiting. So I'm waiting for my first carry coming off like five minutes from our line. And there's the world's slowest player of the ball. And I've got this carry and Frank Pritchard and Paul Tua at the time, just shot out of the line, just absolutely creamy. Um, <laughs> just lined me up. And I made about, I think I went backwards, but as soon as I, I just absolutely crumbled. And that was my first ever touch of, or first ever carry in the NRL. Like the two biggest guys in the field just absolutely smoked me. Um, <laughs> Bloody Greg Bird. Oh, I know, I know. I think he got clipped on high, but back in those days, you can kind of, you know, get away with a fair bit more, what, 16 years ago than you can now. So you sneeze and you get penalised now. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little different, but it was a, it was a big wake-up call um, going from playing under 20s and, and reserve grade to, you know, peak Pula Tour and Pritchard in 2006. Absolutely creaming you, so. Yeah, the good old welcome to first grade hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and I can't believe Greg Bird would ever milk a penalty. So <laughs> <laughs> he, def he definitely got clipped high, but we'll, we'll play on. Uh, um, how did you find out uh, beforehand that you're making your debut? And who was the first person you told? Oh, first person was mum. Called mum straight away. He's standing. Um, but I had an inkling. Uh, like I spoke, uh, the, the coach at the time was uh, Stewie Raper. Um, so I had a bit of inkling. So they got me to come into training and they go, oh, you know, come in this week to train full time and um, to get a bit of experience and, and all that sort of thing. And um, on like the, I think it was like a Tuesday, I did one full session and the Tuesday came around, he called me out in the tunnel and, um, you know, put your hand, stand a hand on the shoulder and go, congratulations, you're playing first grade this week. And you start getting like the shakes and like you, get all emotional and as soon as he goes around run straight in call mum straight away let her know like because it's obviously it's, it's something you've been dreaming of as an NRL player you would have seen 
um, was it Bronson Cherry at the time? We're getting his call from Bomber, um, things like yeah, that. I've- the emotions that it goes through, and because it's it's literally all you think about. Like from a kid, as soon as you love footy, you go, "I want to play first grade." And to do it at the club I've supported since I was a kid, um, in front of all my family at Shark Park was pretty cool. And to do it when I was eighteen as well, um, had all my mates come down, and so it's uh, it was pretty special. Surely, just some of those mates, though. You know, being eighteen, your first year of high school, might be like, "Are you serious, making top grade already? Shouldn't you be playing reserve grade for a year or two? But like, you know, well, when you're twenty, you should be playing your debut." Do they believe um, you? Well, I, I, it was a bit of a weird, like not so much weird, but I, I kind of got fast tracked a bit. So, like I was saying, when I was, um, uh, I was still sixteen. I was playing under twenties in the flag. That was, um, so that was two thousand and four, I think. So I was 16 turning 17. Um, that was the year we played Roosters and Roosters went through undefeated in under 20s and Jamie Sauer kicked the field goal an extra time beat us. Um, they had a pretty good team uh, at the time. Um, but so, I, yeah, played that year in the, in the in the 20s and played the year after, played sort of half 20s and made my debut in, in Reggie's, which was pretty cool. It was with the Jets at the time. So I got to play for the you know first first crack at Newtown Jets, the blue baggers. Yeah, the blue bags. So, um, <laughs> yeah, play with them, and then obviously yeah, that the first year out of school, I pretty much played the whole year in reserve grade. Um, and yeah, and then obviously got the tap on tap on the shoulder to to come out train full time and, and get my crack. So it's it's um, pretty exciting. You remember your first try? I do. Um, actually, was speaking about. Um, a uh, few mates. So I'm, I'm real good mates with uh, Brian Goodwin. So I've I've known him since we're kids and everything. So I was actually chatting about the other day about I always bring up when Hayne knocked him out in the semi final. Coming to he scored a try and got knocked out by Hayne. Always say it's our favourite moments. It's fantastic. Um, always yeah. But we, we, for some reason we we randomly spoke about um, first try and I'm like I, so mine was against St George. I think it was just a standard. Um, catch and pass down the wing just at Oakey Jubilee. So uh, the only was about my sixth sixth game or fifth or sixth game or something like that um, was in the, the 2007 year. So in the sixth year, I only played the three games and it was like 2007, um, got my got me first meat pie. So That's correct. We did the, yeah, the research and it always asks every player. But I must say, with every player we've had on our show, um, they've spoken about how they ran 100 metres <laughs> um, that's including the likes of Barry Ward, which I don't know if he's ever made a I line think he's break. Run 100 meters ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the most humble person. Everyone's talking about run 100 meters, and even Dale Halligan said he ran 110 and beat the play. Some, he beat the fullback three times, I think he said on the show. Yeah. So most humble response to that. Ever. What about yeah. the um, what about the emotional story of the first try? You touched a little bit on the emotional of getting your call up to the NRL. Um, what was the emotional like when you crossed for your first try? Oh, static. Like, that's always good to score a try, but to score your first in NRL, like, that's it, it, pretty special. Um, you know, you're always going to be like, I've scored a try in NRL, which is a pretty cool thing because when you when you make your debut, you, you look how many players have played one, two, three, four games, and that's about it. So you never know, like that. You know, you could have played. I could have played that game. And they could have dropped me. Never played again. You, you never know. So. Um, it is reasonably cutthroat, and especially being a winger, 
there's a million fast wingers who can always take a spot. So, um, yeah, just being ecstatic that I actually got to got to try, and especially against at the time like St George, um, the rivalry at Sharks St George was massive. So, and we are pretty sure we won that game, and yeah, beat St George, scored a try against St George. Um, it, was, it was pretty special. On top of the world. Oh yeah, I, I think that 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 same uh, that same game, we beat St George and all the Sharks members were leaning on the fence and all the fence collapsed because everyone was like going oh, nuts. That was that was a few, yeah. few years back and like the fence collapsed and everyone like poured onto the field. Um, but yeah, you, you get the the crowd it's really good. It's good band of the crowd. They just get into each other and yeah, it's it's all good. One of the best rivalries. If we go back to your debut, one of the yep. questions that we see on, you know, we've seen a lot on social media these days is the jersey presentation. They hand out a jersey. Did you get one or was it just your jersey was hanging up on a coat hanger? Um, to be honest, I can't really remember I remember how I got my jersey. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I honestly have no idea uh, whether it was presented to me or... Um, getting old now so that was, was like 15 years ago so um but yeah so I, I, I can't remember if it was just hanging out but i remember it was the old school sharks jersey with the collar it was like a retro round so it was a, it was a really good jersey I've, I've got it framed my dad took the old, old shark super league jersey out and then put my jersey back in its place so one of his old frame frame jerseys so um that was a real real parent thing to do but um Yes, it's it's hanging up in mum and dad's house. So nice. So then after four years at Cronulla, you moved to the Tigers for a couple of years. How did that deal come across, and why the move? Um, I, I think it was time for a change. To be honest, it's kind of worked out pretty good. Leaving in two thousand nine with two thousand ten for the Sharkies. Um, it was good not to be there at the time. I guess the few things sort of happened, which uh, time was all right. Um. But I, I don't know. I think, I think it's time to move on. Um, I, I had a couple of little niggling injuries and bad times. And then I kind of, um, yeah, wasn't getting too much game time as well. So opportunity came up at the Tigers and um, old Keithy Galloway was there. So I, was, I knew Keithy from Sharks as well. So, um, yeah, I'm just a bit of a sea change really. And they, they were kind of up and coming. And like they were kind of on the brink there and, you know, got to play with some some pretty decent players over there too. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch. Were you a part of the squad that last made it to the finals for the West Sides? Technically, yes, because um, so I was there 10, 11, and I left the preseason 2012, went to the Bulldogs. Mm. Yep. So was like, when was it? Was it last year 2011 they made or 2012? They made it in 2011. Ah, uh, yeah, it was. I would have been yeah 2011. So West Tigers um, royalty as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, like I, I've now that I look, I look back and um, the teams I have been in, we've have been, we've had a fair bit of success. Like I, I'm lucky enough to be in teams at the time. We had a, a, a good amount of success, mind you. When I was at Sharks, I think we held the record in the year for most consecutive losses. When I was first, I think it was in 2008 or something like that, but. We had some good solid years, but we finished equal first one year um, with Melbourne and Manly, I, th- I think it was. Um, unfortunately, that was when Brett Seymour 
um, did his knee at training, had a collision with Danny Nutley playing soccer and then his knee was out. So that, that kind of hurt. But yeah, then obviously went to the Tigers. We we're pretty successful with the Tigers. Um, we had that small window of opportunity to, uh, I think, for the grand final. So 2010, I think, was our, our peak year where Saints, Saints knocked us off by points. It's how I feel go against me again. It's <laughs> twice. Um, but then obviously the dogs, we um, went across the doggies, had a fair bit of success there. A couple of grand finals, part of, kind of part of us had, had the ACL in the first one. But uh, And then you went the Sharks and then, yeah, obviously they won a grand final then as well. So it was kind of part of that because I, I did leave mid-year. Um, so I was, I was pretty filthy about that, but I came back and watched the GF. But it was... So you're the good luck charm, you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, especially with the Tigers, I was playing five minutes off the bench and um, I was playing most weeks, but it was real limited game time. So it, it was just lucky that um, the timing of when I was there, it was kind of, you know, you get those window opportunities where, clubs have a certain amount of uh, plays in their prime and um, definitely the Tigers and the Dogs at the time were peak, um, had yeah had that had that window that was open. We had some really good plays um, at their peak of their powers. So, um, yeah, it was, it was more me being quite lucky to be a part of those squads, obviously, um, and some being playing with some of those ridiculously good plays in um, some really good form. I go to a question with uh, you playing on the interchange bench at the West Tigers. You did it for a fair bit. When was Tim Sheens, the coach, yeah, Tim Sheens coaching then, yeah. uh, he's come up to you and said, you're going to play on the bench and this is what he wants from you. That's He was kind of like the outside thinker at the time. Like it was pretty bizarre to hold a, a regular outside back on the interchange bench. Mm. So how did you feel about that? And then what was kind of your like job? Because it's, it's a very difficult one. I was, um, it, it was frustrating, uh, I won't lie, but I was playing first grade. So, and I'm playing nearly 40, around 40 games or something with Tigers and a lot of them were off the bench playing five minutes. And I guess the most frustrating thing, what people don't see is that um, I remember there was a game in Newcastle. Uh, I sat on the bench, it was pissing down rain the whole day and I, I'm just sitting in the wet. Um, I got five minutes at the end of the game and then the next Die, we, I was in Newcastle and now to drive back and I had to play Reggie the next day. I was sitting on the bench all night, just in the rain, drive back at two in the morning, I have to go out and play reserve grade at, I don't know, like Parramatta or something like that. So that's, I ended up playing a lot of, I, I might have played 40 odd NRL games, but I also played about 30 or something or 25 to 30 reserve grade games in the same time because I'd have to go and back up if, we're playing a Friday night game and I'll go back up on the Saturday and go play for reserve grade as well for Balmain. Mm. So, but as far as what he's, there's no exact position I'd go on there for. So sometimes I go on for Aish, um, Blake Aish, and he'll, he'll move to the back row because um, that was kind of his preferred position. But he, at the time, he was just killing it at centre. So, um, but yeah, it's Aish might go on the back row. But it was almost like a jinx because... Whenever I was on the bench, we'd almost have some sort of niggle to an outside back. Like, um, I think Chrissy Lawrence had a, a couple. Um, I had a one serious injury, but there's a couple little injuries. Sammy Maltz, um, 
But yeah, so I end up getting a fair bit of games, like fair few games under my belt because, you know, some little niggle, niggle injuries and things like that. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things you go to training, you, I'm training left center, right wing, fullback. So it's hard to sort of get um, some, a bit of consistency when you're constantly playing different positions outside different players, different sides of the field. Um, yeah, it's, it is quite quite tricky. So um, it, ultimately, it was, it was one of the reasons why I did leave because I just wanted to play one position, focus on it, um, and play week in, week out of a starting position and the opportunity of the dogs came up. So that's obviously why I'd, I took that. But, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed my time there because we had a really good bunch of guys, really close. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I had a really good time there. So we're almost at the uh, the bulldog section, but just before we get there, um, the main part of why people are listening. Um, what was the you know, the main differences, uh, if any, between the West Tigers and the Sharks that you noticed? Um, well, at, at the Sharkies, Red Sticky was the coach. He's um, Sticky's quite intense character when he's a coach. Um, outside, like I've got so much respect for Sticky, like. He'd, he'd be, um, obviously, like I mentioned, I was Omagami Gorilla Junior. And then you go down the Gami Gorillas and Sticky would be sitting at the clubhouse drinking beers. You just like, whoever it is, you remember mum and dad, you say, always go, hey, Brownie, how you doing? I'm an old man. And um, remembers everyone's names. Like he's he's an absolute gentleman, loves a beer. Um, but yeah, like it, as you can probably see in press conferences and things like that, he is he, very focused. He, he can get you revved up and get you excited. So, to go from um, a, a sticky kind of coach to um, Tim Sheens, that's Sheens is just a footy head. Um, he loves his footy. Can talk about footy all day. Um, he's a very intelligent man. So it's just, um, yeah, just like really different. He comes up with these really random strategies. And as you know, like there's always some sort of scrum trick, um, especially when you had like guys like Benji, Robbie Farrow, real crafty, um, who absolutely loved it. So yeah, it's just, really unique and um yeah it's just, I, I guess the coaching styles were so different but then the playing rosters were so different as well so if you know i guess sticky coached the same way with your benjis and stuff it probably wouldn't work vice versa um it's just yeah, the, the, the different style play i guess has a different coaching style as well to it so um that's why you know coaches come in and build their teams because they want it to their style, like certain players fit their style of play. So, but um, yeah, I think I think the training side of things is a little bit different as well. Um, a lot more skill work when you're at Tigers and um, don't get me wrong, it changed you had this 2K time trial that was, used to kill me because around this oval, that wasn't exactly 400 meters, it was like 410 or something. So it was like two point something. So it used to kill us, it used to do the time like, but um, I used to hate long distance, but um, but yeah, that's it. In the day, every preseason is hard, and then you just keen um, to get in the season and just just crack on. So um, it wasn't too much different apart from the coaching styles. Before we do get to the Bulldogs, you said earlier how you played a bit for Belmain, which is another unique jersey to have. Yeah. Um, when you're playing top grade, but then backing up the next day or whatever, uh, how do you? first of all, like focus on that week because you, you've got potentially like, you know, it was two games to play. 
Do you know what's going on much with New South Cart? Like, you know, where they're sitting on the ladder, like when you were going there, or was it kind of like West Tigers is my priority, then I'm just backing up if I need to the day after? Um, obviously, the Tigers were the priority. Um, I Sometimes I would go to captain's run depending on the game. Like if I'm playing, if I know I'm playing on the bench or something um, and, and it's local, it's like a local game, um, I'd go to the captain's run. I might, I'll do our captain's run, but I might go to a captain's run and or catch up with Fletch, uh, the coach at the time, and, and just do, do some video and just obviously see where we're playing, what position we'll play. Um, but I, I generally played right centre um, at going back to Balmain because Sheenji did see me as right centre, but it just didn't work out like that way because we had uh, some, some pretty good centres at the time. So, um, but yeah, like it's, I don't know, you just have to crack on it and just do it because there's no point whinging about it. And then if, if I go back and play a really good game in reserve grade, um, there's more likely I'm going to play more first grade. So if I'm only playing five minutes in first grade, I can't really show or prove myself too much. So that's where you have to shine. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's just it's about preparation and making sure you get the right sleep, recovery. Because even so five minutes, you still get whacked and, you know, Sometimes you, you get little niggly corks or little you know, stud marks in awkward places, and it's, it's pretty tough to you know because especially night games you go to you know you have to be awake till like 10 p.m. as so you have a late sleep, but then you can't sleep till like three or four in the morning. And you have to go play at like a three o'clock game at Balmain, so like it's and it's all about the prep and, and just getting ready for it. And just if you, if you whinge about it and you won't play end up playing good footy because you're just kicking stones, as you know. So, um, yeah, you just it's more to, to sort of prove prove a point and go out and play some good footy. And I, But I really enjoy because we had a really good bunch of guys in their Balmain um, and that Balmain squad. So I actually really enjoy my time going back down and playing with them all because, like, it's, it is serious, but when you're playing great, it, it is a lot more serious where you can kind of relax and muck around a little bit so much. Um, uh, not so much, oh, yeah, a little, it's not so much muck around, but like um, it's a little bit less pressure, I guess. Um, you can kind of play footy and um, you can do things that you might not have tried in first grade, I guess, because I'm trying to keep a spot there. Whereas here I can have a full game and I can do a little bit more, more have, have a little bit more opportunity and things like that. So, but um, yeah, I, 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 sometimes I really couldn't be bothered getting up and playing the next day. I like, I'd want to get on, on the, on the source with a few of the boys and after a, a great game. So, um, but sometimes you just have to, you know, is what it is and go out and play the game after so. You ended up scoring eight tries for the West Tigers. Do you have a favourite one or do you remember your first try at the Tigers? Um, I don't remember which one was my actual first, um, but because I did play the last five minutes, a lot of games, I did score a couple winning tries. Um, I got I got one um, from a, little, a, it was a chip across on pretty much on the bell against Broncos or on a West, uh, I think I had West jerseys on. with a thousand different jerseys at Tigers, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was lucky enough to score a couple quite important tries. Um, but yeah, it's, a lot of them were sort of finishing and there, were, there weren't too many long ranges, unfortunately. But there were a few long ranges like 
um, team tries and uh, we, we was part of a really good one against Canberra. I think we did the third tackle and like Farah uh, or Benji Farah and then like this from side to side, five metres, five or ten metres off our line and then hits me on the wing standing. I had no idea it was the ball. Like the other wing had played the ball and it just shifted on the third or fourth tackle, ten metres off our line, went through and ended up scoring down the other end, which is that was the kind of type of play where Tigers were known for at the time in 2010-11 and you just you could literally score from anywhere. So it was, um, it was pretty cool. Yeah, back there laughing, everybody enjoyed watching the West Tigers. Um, yeah, it was pretty oh, much everyone's se- oh, I found it was everyone's second favourite team. Like, everyone I met, everyone loved watching the Tigers. Yeah, like, everyone just enjoyed because obviously you get Manly, you get old, old school Manly. I hate Manly. Um, you know, you, each team sort of has the people they hate. I hate people hate South, people hate Cronulla, people hate St. George because where they're from. And, but no one kind of hated West Tigers. Everyone kind of you know, everyone just was there. It was everyone's second favorite team at the time, and you know, sitting back and watching vintage Benji was Gareth Ellis was one of the best players I played with. Watching him play, and um, yeah, it was just it was just um, really good watch. So, one team that we like watching more than that West Tigers team, Mitch, is the <laughs> Bankstown Bulldogs, and that's where you went to. Yeah. When uh, they reached, when they reached out to you, who from the club contacted you, and how did that move come about? You mentioned earlier it was about getting more game time and being able to play one position. Um, but yeah, who reached out? So uh, I think it was uh, obviously the management does all that they order the feelers. So I was still on contract with the Tigers. Um, like Shinji was up front. He, like he he basically said, um, you know, like if you if, if there's an opportunity there for you to play full time. In a role, he goes. I'm not going to stop you. He goes. I don't want you to leave, but I'm not going to stop you if the opportunity presents itself. Um, and obviously, the opportunity presented itself to um, go over the Bulldogs because at, at the time um, they were a bit light in the outside backs. Um, Zappa was getting on. Zap was, you know, at the end of his career, and um, yeah, there, there wasn't any pro, uh, real established. Like uh, Tim Lafayette was only just coming in the first grade, and so there, there wasn't a whole heap of outside backs with a lot of experience, um, other, obviously other than Zap. But, um, but yeah, the opportunity came to, to there's like a right centre position that wasn't locked down at the time. And, um, and that's what I wanted to play. I've been wanting to play that whole career. And then I kind of got painted with the, the utility tag. So I was either I want to play fullback or I want to play right centre. So when and the Buddha- yeah, opportunity came up to play right centre and went over there and did my knee straight away. So <laughs> was the deal at the Bulldogs, was that a one-year deal or was it two years to get started? Nah, one-year deal. So um, lucky me, um, signing a one-year deal and doing my knee straight away. So um, I guess that's probably the, the part of what fans don't really see that, you know, I, someone to me was like sort of that fringe player, I took a risk, um, Signing one you deal. I was probably the most money I was ever going to earn with Tigers. Mind you, it was in comparison to anything, it was pretty crap money when you look back at now, but it was the most I would have earned in my career gone if re signed with Tigers, which I did. But I left that to basically get less money to the dogs um, and did my knee straight away. So then I had to negotiate with the torn ACL out for the year. You know, so it was then yeah, I went from like being like the most I could have been earning to. Back to when I was almost 
you know, one year in a first grade sort of income or minimum wage, basically. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those risks that you take, but, you know, had a mortgage and stuff at the time, which so uh, was a bit of stress, bit stressful, but it all worked out in the end. And then in 2013, um, you made your debut for the club. Do you remember your first game? Yeah. Because uh, there was a few games in a row, I was 18th man and I was... Um, and I remember Zap had had a few issues with his knee, um, getting swelling and things. So I, I was 18th man warming up and things. And then um, I'm pretty sure when Will Belmore about to take off and then um, Desi just called me up and said, Zap is out, you're in. I'm pretty sure it was uh, the first game, the Dogs game was at Central Coast. I think it could have been Central Coast against Manly, um, possibly. Uh yeah, I think I think it was up there anyway. Um, but yeah, and then from that, and, and Zappa, Zappa unfortunately ended up out for that season and retired. And I ended up playing, you know, pretty much every game except for the first one or two for the season and went to the semifinals um, for the 2013 years. So uh, as far as for, for me, I, I was stoked because I was playing the same position week in, week out. Um, outside at the time, the best centre in the comp um, in J-Moz. Um, so, yeah, I was I was happy playing with Barber. Barber floating around at the back, J-Moz inside me and Hocko. So, it was, um, yeah, there's uh, there's worse, worse places to be in, 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 on, a, on a field. So. Do you remember your first try for the middle? I, th- I, th- I might have scored that game. I'm, I can't really remember. Um I'm just looking at um, Rugby League Project website. It's got your yeah. first game as the, at the Dogs, the 20 to 16 victory over the Eels with you scoring. Ah, okay. Yeah. Where, where, where was that at? Was that Stadium Australia? Yeah. Was that right? nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even close. I, I, we might have, <laughs> I, know, I know one of the earlier games was was uh, at Central Coast. I, I remember playing Manly at Central Coast when I first went over there. So. But um, I'll take that. Hopefully. I do vaguely remember that 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 power game because I, I haven't got any. I was from my parents too, but I, I, it's one thing I've never really watched on my games back. Or I'm, I, I love to sit there and go through actually watch some of the games I've played, but I don't know where to get them from or where to find them. But <laughs> um, even like for my kids and stuff, just show them actually games I've played and hey, look, I used to play footy with full like freshly. So. Um, but yeah, I think Parrot at the time, that would have been peak Hayne in 2013. He, he went in some good form. And um, I used to, yeah, Parrot, Parrot was always real hard, especially when we played with the dogs. Like they had that rivalry as equivalent to like St. George, Cronulla, or your, even your Manly Cronulla and um, South Roosters sort of thing. And then you had the, your, your Parrot, when you ever played Parrot and Penrith, it was always like a, a next level and the crowds always went nuts, which was the best. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a weird one because I've talked to Scott previously about it, and for us as Bulldogs fans, Parramatta is kind of like a team that you you don't like you're not supposed to like as a Bulldogs fan, but you sort of don't care about them until they play the Bulldogs. Yeah, but- yeah. Well, it's and it, it was all like especially the old fellas coming out um, when Barr and Jimmy Dimmick and stuff would be talking like they they have that the almost hatred or like they get your. your you're rolled up and you know what it means to to the Bulldogs about the, the Battle of the West, um, how much it means to the fans. And I, I still say to this day, whenever they ask me, like, 
I used to love the Bulldogs fans and all the dancing and the interaction um, of how they how they went. Like it, it was noticeable by the players, and um, yeah, like we we'd be sitting there, you know, waiting like line out for kickoff or something like that, and you you seen all the crowd or the drums going nuts and um, people doing the, the random dances on dance cam and things like that. Like it's it's just looked exciting and seemed really exciting. Whereas though, um, yeah, other 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 teams and things like that, where like they are they are cheer for it, but they don't get as animated like the dog supporters do, which does not go unnoticed by the the the, um, the players themselves watching the game. Which you know they, they just love the club so much. It's just um, it's it's really good to see, and it's like it's something I I want to take my kids to because you see you know, all the kids get involved, and there's just so much activity happening around the crowd, and it's just. It's a good environment to be in, so it's um, it definitely helps the players. So that's good to hear. Um, we might need to start winning a few more games to bring <laughs> back bring back that atmosphere. Um, who at the Bulldogs had the uh, biggest impact on you? Um, um, uh, as far as like with footy and things and being accountable, um, Grimaldi, yeah, he had a fair bit of impact. And um, Harry, um, old age, Harry Harris got along with him pretty well. Um, the strength coach, but. I guess Lobby was one of those guys that like he was a good, such a good football player, played well above his weight, but then you know, you just had so much respect for him um as a trainer because he'd get out there and put the boots on and he'd flog you doing the fitness and and like but he couldn't really let him down because he he would tell you to do something, but you know he'll back it up and do it himself. So it's kind of one of those things like and he only wants the best out of you and will push the best out of you as well. So um for you, yeah, if, once you earn sort of lobby's respect, it's it's like a you know sort of a proud moment, I guess, where like he actually respects you of of the hard work and that you put in. Because mind you, the this, the few seasons of the Bulldogs is the hardest preseason I have ever done in my life. It was ridiculous. Um, to the point when I went to the Sharks and I started two weeks after we made the grand final, and um. The boys were complaining about the preseason being hard, and I was like, "This is not hard at all." Like, I um, I I found it actually quite cruisy compared to what we've been. And the boys were saying how hard it was because I think the year before they um they had in between coaches, and so it wasn't really you know they had like in between year. But um, yeah, I just the, the the training was just so intense and so hard, and um, I've never been as fit as I was mentally, physically, um. And everyone was like it as well. So, you know, you had like Sam Cass weighing 140 kilos, but fit. It's just mental. So, um, yeah, it kind of proves how why I work so hard to beat because you know, we put the, put the work in for it. Every team has it, but who was the most annoying Bulldogs player at the time there? James Graham. <laughs> Didn't want to think about it. I'm just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he he knows he's annoying. That's the thing. So. Like I, I, I love Rupert. Like I, I'm still pretty close to him now. Like um, I kept him, we kept in touch in England, and um, I would have been pretty close despite him spraying me on the field and all that sort of stuff. Like it, it comes up all the time. Um, but no, I, I've, I'm really close to Rupert, but he knows he's annoying. But the funny thing is, he can't hack it getting it put back on him, oh. and he he knows it. Like he'll go, he he'll laugh, and like he he actually says it. Like he has idly, he he knows he cannot hack getting shit put on him back. So, um, 
but he annoys the crowd. Like he, he just, you'll be on physio table and things will be poking you. And, um, but if you did to him, he'd lose it. So that, that was a funny thing. So like I'd purposely do things back because he just would blow it. And then, he, yeah, it's, he, he was definitely the most annoying, but um, it's a really good banner with him though. So. Well, you brought it up, Mitch, the blow up on field. Um, it kind of makes more sense now. You'd probably have to be quite close for you to have that moment, I guess. Yeah, I, so I, I know what he's like. I know what the game means to him. I know he, he didn't personally mean that. And that's why if, if you watch my reaction, I barely sort of flinch. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, cause like that's, that's the, the passion he brings to the game. Like he it just, everything means so much to him. So within like, he, after the game, mate, he was literally so apologetic. I'm so, I'm like, don't worry, man. Like, I know what you like. I know you didn't mean it. It's just things mean so much to you at the time and it expresses. But I definitely played on it, and every time it popped up, I'm like, oh, "You're a dog, man." That's I can't believe you like, I'll hammer it because always come up comes up on Fox or something like that, or Matty John's show, and um, and I always shoot a message. I can't believe, man, I'm getting sprayed. Like it's, it's shit, go, man. Like you should feel any. You just like, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's water on the bill. It's, it's not literally a nothing thing. Like a lot of people just. Um, obviously took it a bit out of context. Like you get, I think Trebojevic blew up at one of the players for not moving across, but it's the heat of the game. Like, yeah, we, we're with each other every day. Um, you've got to be accountable for everything we do because it, in, you know, I don't have to make the next six tackles because I'm on the wing. He does. So that's why, like, you know, so it's, it's, um, I think it's a good moment for the fans as well. Like as long as it doesn't cause any, long-term issues or whatever and you guys sound pretty close so obviously that wasn't the case but yeah. to see the players on the field caring so much like from a fan's point of view it's really great to to see that yeah it just means it just means so much like it was a i think i, I thought it was going out for sure like i didn't know there was like someone holding it whatever it was um and yeah just like that he's he's the most passionate person you ever meet in your life you watch him on Fox now and how much how well he speaks and how much things mean to him and and his insights for it. Um, but he, you know, he he was a pleasure to play uh, play with. Um, he, he's he's one of my good mates out out of out of the you know how many players I've played with. I still yeah. keep in contact with a you know handful and he's he's one of them. So he's um he's a good mate of mine. Do you remember much of that game? It's a pretty good game. Yeah, I was going to we're locking almost uh brought the stand down with his cheering at the end of that one. <laughs> was, was, that, was, was it Manly? Was it? That was Manly and the, was Manly. Uh, Trent Hawkinson kicked two field goals to win. I think it was 18-17. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, the first semi, wasn't it? No, so that was the second week. You guys beat Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. second. Yeah, so you... Oh, that's why we touched Melbourne. I beat them by like yeah. 40 to 10 or something like that. that was, I, got a, just, uh, I don't know if I should because not my. I'm not the special guest, but I had a funny... Uh, Thing about that, I remember going to the uh, footy that we went to. Uh, me and Matt went to a game because the Bulldogs were playing in Melbourne, so we like on the footy anywhere. But the Bulldogs were in Melbourne, we couldn't get obviously get there. And we were, you know, Melbourne were heavy favorites to win. Yeah. And we were watching Manly versus South. And I remember we sat in the Manly Bay, don't know why. <laughs> but a Manly fan goes, Oh, who do we verse if we lose today? And someone goes, Oh, we'll either verse Melbourne or Canterbury. And one of the Manly fans laughed and goes, Oh, so we've got Melbourne then. And that really like boiled, like I boiled yeah. it out. And then when we got to go and then Bulldogs won, it was one of the, I thought was going to be one of the best wins 
ever. Like, you know, rolling Melbourne and Melbourne, I thought you can't get much better than that unless if you beat Manly in like Golden Point, which actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> which happened. But yeah, do you remember much of that game? Because Raymond Tool got sinned in in that towards the um, Golden Point stages of the game. And, you know, it was twist and turns everywhere until Hodkinson finally finished it off. The old sharpshooter. Yeah. Um, he, he had a knack for that, didn't he, Hocko? Um, could, kick a, could kick a goal, couldn't he? Um, but yeah, like, I, I, it's hard. Like, it's one of those things. I've, I haven't rewatched the game or anything for ages. I think I, I saw some highlights pop up um, every now and then. It's just like you might see a try or something. But I, I haven't I haven't rewatched the game or anything like that for, since it happened to her, like six or seven years ago. So, um but yeah, I, I remember like any every, at that time, like Manly was just so good. <laughs> like they, they they're coming back off the whole when they had the Stewart brothers and like the Desi era, and um, so they're still staying, playing that same similar style of footy. So whenever we played them, because obviously we had Desi, we'll call them the same plays. They're called the same things pretty much. <laughs> so we, we we knew each other's plays, and like so we were calling a certain play, and then like they'd be reading it and vice versa. Because I think it was twos at the time. They kind of obviously just kept the same plays and things like that. And then Des brought it over to us. So we knew all each other's plays. So it made it to a good game of footy because everyone was defensively reading it really well. And um, yeah, and like obviously very similar styles of footy, hence the tight games we always played because we played so similar. Um, but I think the difference was we started playing a bit more with our forwards and the ball playing with your James Graham ball playing out the back, which I guess um, really kicked off that trend of Ford's really um, having more of an impact and moving the ball around like prop to prop. And um, but yeah, I think that was probably the big key difference between us. We kind of evolved a bit more to that, or our forwards were kind of, uh, I guess, slightly better at that and just had that little bit more ball movement. So. But there's always good games for them. A bit of a leading question here, Mitch. Um, I think Scotty wrote this one, but were the Bulldogs the, um, your favourite time of your career? They were, actually. Um, like I mentioned, I, I had a pretty good time near um, mates and stuff with Tigers. But the thing is, with the Tigers, I was living in Cronulla and travelling out to Concord every day to train. So, um, yeah, we had a pretty tight group, but they were, you know, they lived in Balmain and Jermoyne and Campbelltown and things like that. So it wasn't one of those things where I could go get a coffee through them through the week other than when we're training or we, we go have a drink or something after a game, but that'd be about it. Was so one of the dogs, we all lived in the Shire, like half the team lived in bloody Carimba and Cronulla. So um, you'd go down, go down for a coffee Um at Cronulla and there'd be like seven of the boys is there because we all lived there. Like I think at the time it was Dale, uh, uh, Dale lived there, James, Josh, Reynolds, Josh Morris, Hocko. Um, uh, who else lived there? I think there was a couple more that maybe oh, Tolls lived there. Josh Jackson lived there. Like we all lived in the Shire and just traveled. Oh, Corey Thompson, he moved over. So we used to carpool. So half the team literally lived, lived there. So, Day in, day out, we'd literally be together outside of football as well. So we, we grew quite um, quite strong at Bond because when you're you know, your best mates off the field, you, you kind of just – it filters in to the way you play and you're more relaxed. And, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 
I, I definitely have a, a closer core group of group of mates what I still speak to now from that Bulldogs because, yeah, we're, we're good mates outside of the footy and um, it wasn't just teammates, it was actual mates. So um, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, just just on that, at that time, I was actually working as a um, sales rep for the Paralympic team. Yeah. One day the boss got me to sit outside the Woolworths in Cronulla. Um, and, yeah, it was literally a conveyor belt of our old <laughs> players. Goodwin, uh, Goodwin and Morris, uh Graham, I'm pretty sure, and then yeah. the Sharks boys, Carney and Gray, uh, Wade Graham. <laughs> oh yeah, all day they just in and out. <laughs> oh, it's uh, there's plenty in the Shire because um, mm. obviously you got the whole team there, and then you get a lot of St George players that live there, and a lot of the Bulldogs players, and you know why why wouldn't you if you can live in the Shire, the beautiful Shire? <laughs> so if you ever um, want to meet an NRL player, just sit outside the Woolworths in Cronulla. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, it's, it, it is crazy, like, and, um, yeah, it's just, about the time, like, you, you kind of just, that's just part of it, and um, I, I think the, a, a lot of the, a lot of, I guess, the fans at the time, like, they kind of, I must get used to it, because you don't really get hit up for autographs, so you're sitting there with, like, Morris and Barber and Graham and stuff, and, you know, if you're sitting anywhere else, they just get absolutely hammered, like, um, but, they were pretty cruisy because I remember we used to always go to um, uh, the Westfields at what was it Tigers and um, Bellwood Westfields for we'll go over there for lunch because it's two minutes down the road and be sitting there with a the whole team and you'd be literally look over and there's like about fifteen people just standing behind Benji waiting for him to to look at them and as soon as he looked at them and got one autograph they all just swarm and then lunch is over so it was it was a little bit um, I guess they. A little bit better when you know Cronulla everyone kind of must have got used to used to the the boys because I guess there's so many of them there. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely a fair, fair few of them are all players still living at Cronulla now, or in the Shire. It is always um, a little bit awkward. I've run into a few NRL players just out and about, and it's one of those things where it's like you look at them and they look at you, and you might go, "He knows I've recognised him." But yeah. do I interrupt his day? Like, <laughs> you want to be respectful as well and be like, oh, so many other people must interrupt their days. Just um, no, it's it's, it's it's all good. It's more when because you obviously you have to have the image or not so much the image, but you know, like I remember me being a kid. If I saw an arrow play, I used to sit and make get signatures off like all the old sharks guys, and if they stopped and spoke to me, I used to love it. So you always got to put yourself in. If, if a fan comes up, especially a kid or um, if someone with disabilities, it's just like you drop what you're doing, you do whatever needs to be done. Um, but it's more like if you're literally eating, like, and they're like coming up and asking stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, so you still do it, but it's kind of like, I just want to finish, <laughs> just want to finish this and it's a sweet or just, um, and then sort in. But yeah, fair uh, enough. I, I didn't get it too much, but. Some of the some of the players that I was with, um, especially when, you know, like Barber had that 12, 2012 season, he's, he's arguably one of the best um, individual performances performance years in modern NRL. So like he was just getting swarmed everywhere he went. So um, yeah, I, I just sat in the background, which is all right. Can we um, when we go back to the twenty fourteen uh, season for the Bulldogs, obviously making the grand final. Um, you guys went in and obviously was expected to lose against Melbourne the first week and then, you know, rolled Melbourne and Melbourne quite convincingly. Then you got Manly 
and then beat them closely. And then you got the Panthers, like, bang, 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 knocking off three. Like, can you just talk us through that? Like, you meant to lose week one and then went off the script straight away. And, you know, just kept on going. Oh, um, well, we, we really, like, back in, the, back in um, what, in 2014, there wasn't any really a team like there is now. Where, so if you look at your Melbourne's, Melbourne, Penrith, and South and Manly, like, they, or Manly's jumped up now. So those four teams are just basically so much better than every other team in the comp at the moment. Was there, it wasn't so much like that in 2014. It was, it was a lot more, a lot closer, I guess. Um, so anyone could have really won it. And Melbourne's Melbourne. They've been the best team, consistently best team for 20 years. It's, it's unbelievable how well they've just maintained that. Um but look at our team at the moment. Like we had so much belief in what we can do and what footy we can play and how many points we had in us. And where's this belief if we played as good as our ability and they played as good as their ability, no one could keep up with us. Like um, so yeah, we just we just ticked off each box as it came and we, we had it comparable to uh, what was it ninety-three? Um when Bulldogs won the grand final, was it? When Jimmy was there, I think, or 94. 94. Um, yeah, no, we lost in 94. No, it was, it was the year when they ended up winning because they, they, we finished in the same position. I think it was fifth or something like that. And um, and that year, the Bulldogs had it and won the same points. It was just like uncanny of the similarities to that. And we were kind of feeding off that. And then we, we got to the grand final, obviously. Um, but that was kind of a bit of our inspiration of, you know, dogs of war and this is how we've done it before we can do it again and so we, we just had the belief and like you know as soon as we obviously we we beat melbourne um we uh, melbourne was a weird one as in like we always kind of had the wood of melbourne um because uh, i think they played a similar style to us so they had their up and in defense but we kind of had the up and in defense as well so when um when we trained, we're used to training against each other. So we always generally went pretty well against Melbourne. I think we had a really good strike rate. We, I don't remember losing. I'm sure we might have lost one, but I don't really remember losing against Melbourne. And um, um, apart from was it the 2012 grand final, I didn't play in. So, but um, yeah, we, we had a real strike rate. So that that wasn't, you know, an issue. And then obviously your Manly's there. They're similar to how Des structured as well. So, we can kind of pick them apart a little bit. Um, Premith was a bit of a smoky because they had one of those years that they were a really young squad. Um, and yeah, they started playing some really good footing. And I remember they came back, they came back at us right at the end there and then they only pinged us, but um, wasn't B for them. So we we're lucky enough to get in the GF against, um, against South. And then that was when Inglis was having that year where he was untouchable. So Wherever English was, whether he got the ball or not, like if, if he gets the ball, he probably scores. If he doesn't get the ball, you think he's going to get the ball, so it creates a gap somewhere else because you have to over defend it because he was such a freak. He was so, like he was so big, so strong, fast. He could literally do anything he wanted. Um, uh, arguably, I, I still feel like he's one of the best players I've ever played against. Um, the most, the most talented and. You know, someone who could do anything is, is just insane play, especially in 14. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, we, we just had the most, so much confidence in what we could do. So we kind of just didn't think about it too much and just said, yeah, 
thinking about what's what's this week, knock it off, and we'll worry about next week, next week. So um, I always hope that we had a pretty pretty much an international forward pack that that kind of gave us that confidence as well. So, so just before we move on there, um, because there'll be somebody listening to this screaming at the uh, podcast right now. It was ninety five where we finished. Yes. Ah, yes, I knew it was the early nineties. Yeah, I was, yeah. I'm just I wasn't gonna... expecting you to pull it up, and then you did it. It stumped me for a second there. Yeah. Yes. Um... I knew I knew it was an odd number. I'm like, 93 <laughs> didn't sound right. Like, was it 95? Because, yeah. Was, um, but yeah, we, we use that as a bit of inspiration, and it was, it was extremely like uncanny how how much it resembled the same year, and the same things were happening in that, and we kind of just bounced off the back of it, and nearly got there. Whose idea was it to keep Souths waiting? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, <laughs> uh, <But> does he? <laughs> no, like I, I don't think it was like a any planned or anything like that. And to be honest, I didn't know they were waiting. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, it's one of those things. Like, I, I, I didn't realize that they were out there. So we just doing an hour, hour in prep. Whether um, Desi knew something that we didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, that you, you get your two minute bell that go off and. Um, but yeah, just you, you get in the moment. And, you know, if someone's had mid mid convo. Like when Mick Ennis starts talking, everything just goes. You just don't listen to anything, and you just listen to what he's saying. And uh, I, uh, he would have had his pre-game talk, which I've never heard of anyone talk better pre-game. That's like ridiculous. Wow. He talks just like it gets him that fired up, and how he everything what it what it means to him um i personally believe he, him going to sharks is the reason why they made the grand final won the grand final and that's the reason why we i think we lost moses was a good player but he you know he only played a handful of games at hooker wasn't even hooker um but to missing mick that was that was such a big loss to us so but he's, he was still there, you know, giving us that pre-games, that half-game, half-time talks. And um, but I, I think Mick was having a having a good yarn to us, um, getting us all fired up. So maybe that that could have been the reason. It's a closer game than most remember as well. It's only six 0 at half-time. Mm. So um, I think in the memory banks, it's that game that Souths, like you know, they scored three on, tries in the last like eight minutes yeah. or something like that. It was kind of they ran away with the NL. Oh, they were the better team throughout the game. I, I remember we doing a lot of unforced errors, and we, we weren't just play, we weren't having a good game at the start, of the first half, and you know, and that team that's how how Burgess was playing, or, or Burgesses were playing, mm-hmm. um, and you know how you know Inglis was, and how their team across the whole park was playing. You can't give a team like that a you know in a grand final um, that much ball, so a bit of bit us in the bum at the end, so. 